0: This episode of YXC Underground is proudly sponsored by Ace Burger. If you love cheeseburgers and milkshakes as much as I do, then you need to check out Ace Burger on the corner of Broadway and 9th Street because they make a really great burger and shake. Thanks to owners Blair and Brad for their financial support and for believing in the podcast. I think that change
1: starts on a personal level. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, you don't see entire societies and entire communities change all at once. You see it in individuals. And in that aspect, I definitely see it. I see it happening, and it makes it makes me feel good. It really does, because um, you know, any change in the in the right direction um, should be celebrated, and should be looked at as uh, as as
0: a huge success. Hello, I'm Eric Anderson. The voice you just heard belongs to Forest Eagle Speaker. He, along with Bayani Trinidad, are the featured guests in Episode Three, Season Two of Waxy Underground. hear the phrase truth and reconciliation, I think of big issues. I think of the systems in our nation's history that targeted Indigenous peoples in the hopes of assimilating their culture. I think of a commission that for seven years heard story after story from Indigenous peoples describing the lasting impacts of the residential school system. And I think of something that one of my heroes, Gord Downey, said that it will take seven generations to undo the damage done to Indigenous peoples because of residential schools. These are really big things to wrap your head around, which is why I really admire what Bayani Trinidad and Forest Eagle Speaker are doing. They are making a difference here in Saskatoon when it comes to truth and reconciliation on a personal level in the hopes that it will have an impact on a larger scale. I love their enthusiasm and chemistry, and I know you're going to connect with their story coming up on YXE Underground. Thanks for joining me here on the podcast. I'm currently sitting in Place Real at the U of S, and uh, I thought there was going to be more people here so that it would give you a sense of how busy and active the university is, but uh, of course I had to choose Reading Week to do my voicing here at the university, so it's a little bit quiet right now. Here, have a listen. It's a little quiet, but I'm here for a few reasons. The first is that a lot of the people that Bayani and Forrest are working with are university students. And the second is that this is where I met Bayani and Forrest for the interview a few months ago. And let me tell you, they give a good interview. Bayani and Forrest work for an organization called Canadian Roots Exchange. It's a registered nonprofit charity organization formed in 2008 as a way to bring Indigenous and non-Indigenous youth together to work towards reconciliation. As the organization's website states, quote, Through exchanges, workshops, conferences, and leadership trainings, we bring together youth in cities, towns, and traditional territories across Canada in an effort to break down stereotypes, open a dialogue, and build honest relationships between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people living on this land. In January of 2016, CRE opened an office here in Saskatoon. To be completely honest, I had never heard of Canadian Roots Exchange before I received an email from Bayani last spring describing the work he and Forrest were doing and wondering if it might be a good fit for this podcast. I am really glad he reached out. Bayani is the National Program Supervisor for the Western Region of Canadian Roots Exchange. Forrest is the Community Engagement and Program Coordinator. Together, They help mentor young people, the majority of which are university age, on issues relating to truth and reconciliation. They also provide education on truth and reconciliation, and they organize events in our city that bring people from all walks of life together to help achieve the goals of truth and reconciliation. You'll hear Baliani describe one of these events and the positive impact that it had on people later on in the podcast. Education is a big theme in this episode. Bayani and Forrest talk about the importance of educating youth on Truth and Reconciliation which is so important and that's why I want to give a quick recap on what Truth and Reconciliation is and where we are at today in our country. In 2008, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was established. Its goal was to document the history and impact of the Indian residential school system on Indigenous students and their families. The Commission travelled across Canada hearing more than 6,000 witnesses over a six-year time period. I remember covering some of these events for CBC Radio and the testimonies were raw and incredibly powerful. In 2015, the Commission released the 94 Calls to Action, a summary report of its findings to quote "...redress the legacy of residential schools and advance the process of Canadian reconciliation." It's the last part of that quote, advance the process of Canadian reconciliation that Bayani and Forrest are doing through education. Why is education so important when it comes to truth and reconciliation? To answer that question, I spoke with Lorna Arcand. Lorna is a highly respected elder here in Saskatoon, and I had the privilege of meeting her at an Orange Shirt Day Pancake Breakfast held at Saskatoon's Central Urban Métis Federation's headquarters on Avenue M South. The room was packed, as you're hearing right now, so Lorna and I ducked into the kitchen to talk about the important role education plays, especially when it comes to young people.
2: It's important because uh, for too long... Young people and, and society have um, have uh, not been exposed to the realities of the residential school era, an era that distro- that almost destroyed a whole people, a whole culture. And um, I think it's important for the uh, students, the young people, to to understand what happened in the lives of the indigenous people that makes us uh, seem so different than everyone else in society. We we do have um, a, a, uh, a way, a different way of doing things, and it's important to share that way so that uh, society understands um, our, our languages, our culture, and, uh, and the meaning of, of life to indigenous people is very special, and we want to share that with society.
0: I remember when I was younger, I, I didn't learn a lot about Indigenous cultures and, and the Indigenous society in terms of Canadian history, but I, I feel that that's changing now, that there is more of that education. How, how does that make you feel?
2: It feels good, and it, it feels good to uh, to enjoy opportunities uh, that, that we, um, we have today. Um, uh, events like this are good, but there's a very a much bigger picture and that's uh, organizational policy changes uh, that affect the lives of our people in all sectors, health, education, uh, social services, sports, everything.
0: So then, Lorna, how how do you how do you hope to see those changes at, at such a big organizational level?
2: Well, the calls to action in 2015 uh, identified 94 calls to action that institutions and organizations can follow to make the changes that's needed to make a, a, a more just society where everyone is on an equal level and that people are considered equally.
0: My thanks to Lorna Arcan for sharing her knowledge with me on that very busy September morning. A lot of the topics Lorna touched on are explored in my conversation with Bayani Trinidad and Forest Eagle Speaker. Education, leadership, history are all brought up in the first part of our conversation. I started by asking Forrest why it's important to focus on youth when it comes to truth and reconciliation. Because the youth
1: are the, um, well, they're the, they're the, cent- they're the in my opinion, they're the center of all of this, right? They're the center of all of this because, um, you know, who else are we trying to create a better future for? You know, we're trying to create a better future for the youth, Um, and, uh, having them at the front lines of it, um, to me just makes sense. I don't know. I, I feel like it doesn't really need to be overthought, um, to me. Um, but I also always do put an emphasis on the youth voice. Um, I'm very passionate about, um, sharing the youth experience, having things that are youth-led, and having the youth be at the center point of our society, because, um, you know, that's, uh, well, that's who we're leaving it behind for. That's who we're leaving all this behind for. You're, you're not in,
3: in agreement. Oh, I'm in, I'm in agreement. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just going off with what Forrest said is like youth are, are our future, right? They're the next generation. And I think, um, you know, our youth today are, are very just keen, like the, the term woke. Youth are very woke. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for me, like, I wasn't <laughs> very woke when I was, I was uh, younger, but I think, you know, the, the generation that we have now are going to create um, long-lasting impacts, and they're the, they're the change-makers of, of society today. So I think um, providing youth with the right um, tools and resources and, and bringing them together, they'll create, like, a huge impact
1: for society. Yeah, and the more, you know, the more that you um, spend time with the youth, and the more that you ex, you know you experience um, working with youth, you start to realize that um, a lot of the youth out there don't need to be empowered. A lot of them are already empowered. Mm-hmm. A lot of them already have that fire. They already have that drive. They just don't have a platform. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so like how how do you, how do you see that that passion when it comes to to truth and reconciliation? Because as as someone like I I, I feel like you know i'm I'm a bit out of touch when it comes to you know that that kind of high school age or maybe coming into university, but like how do you guys see that passion i'm I'm curious about that um
1: well, I think what's important to look at in that truth and reconciliation is the truth aspect of it um And a lot of these youth, they have a lot of truth to tell, and they're not afraid to say it, you know. Um, a lot of, a lot of youth between the ages of, well, honestly, um, really not between the ages of any, as soon as that they have a comprehension of the world that they live in, the things that they face, um, the challenges and the stereotypes that they're born into, it creates, uh, it creates an anger, you know, and it creates an uncomfortability. Um, but well, what I noticed a lot with the youth now is that that anger doesn't manifest, as it used to, and you know, it manifests in different kind of ways. Um, I think the internet is a, is a great place for youth to, um, to, get that, to get that anger out in different ways, right? I, I noticed that there's, you know, there's always a stigma about anger, about angry youth, and then being destructive and getting involved in gang violence and drugs, which it's all, of course that always exists. But also too, no one talks about the other side of, these, of it where these youth are empowering themselves and creating art that they're using their platform, whether it's athletics, whether it's academics, or it's, or it's anything artistic, they're using those platforms within their communities to actually speak out against the problems that they're facing, you know, on a daily basis. It's, uh, it really is, um, it's inspiring. It's really inspiring.
0: When, when you say youth, um, and I want to focus here specifically in Saskatoon, is it mostly Indigenous youth, or is it, is it all, all spectrums of youth?
1: It's it's all spectrums of youth, absolutely. It's all spectrums of youth, Um, which is kind of um, well. I mean, which is kind of what we what we do. We focus on the relationship between the indigenous and the non-indigenous youth, right? Um, And in a lot of ways, over the years, um, indigenous folks, we've been tokenized to where we're the ones that need to educate. We need to share the information. We need to teach non-Indigenous people um, how to act right. But nowadays, it's very different in a lot of ways because there's a lot of younger non-Indigenous youth who are starting to understand this on their own. And the, and the Indigenous youth don't need to educate, right? They don't need to educate. And it's kind of this, it's this nice place where, um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, I feel like I'm sort of creating this sort of utopian idea, which is not what it really is but it's progress you know meeting these non-indigenous youth that come from you know small towns in the mid, in like rural saskatchewan that have this understanding that they're born into a privilege or that they aren't going to experience the same barriers as an indigenous youth just because of the color of their skin or because of their last name that to me is 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 very positive it's very positive, and I see that a lot in this work that I'm doing yeah um,
0: I just to build off that and thank you for explaining that because I, I just wanted to clarify how that worked so then yeah how how do you then see it in your work like um I guess you know you gave the example for us of uh of you know a, um, a white uh, person coming from rural Saskatchewan and they they have that education and maybe they want to do something about it so then if they come to your office or they, they reach out to you a little bit, like how, how does then the the relationship form? How does it evolve? Mm -hmm.
3: Absolutely. I think it's just, um, we always emphasize just the openness to be willing to, to learn and express that humility. I think just as, as a general human being, as long as you have those characteristics of being open-minded, um, being humble and, and learning to other perspectives and other, other views of, of people. I think that's what we really emphasize. And once that's established, then that creates the whole building that rapport and that relationship. So, youth.
0: so then do they, like, do they physically come to your office then or do you, like, do you recruit or how, how, do you, how do you get people? Yeah. I would say, um, I think from the years, it's, it's honestly been
3: like word of mouth, <laughs> um, social media, um, youth referring other youth, uh, other organizations referring youth to our programs. So a lot of it is just, um, yeah, I would say word of mouth, like people discovering, like, what CRE is and, and what we do. So,
0: yeah. Uh, both of you talked about, um, you know, the 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 youth in your organization uh, that come to you and then you you teach them these skills and then they go out and do events on their own. Can you give me some examples of of where you've seen that here in Saskatoon where maybe you've worked with someone and then they've gone and and done an event when it comes to to reconciliation?
3: Absolutely. So um, some of the youth that we have worked with um, are either working for other youth organizations already or volunteering our students. So we get a handful of, of youth, like Forrest was saying, that, bring their own strengths and, and gifts to the table. So some of the events that have happened is um, we partnered up with Saskatchewan Intercultural Association and we had a reconciliation forum. And one of our youth works um, with SIA. Um, saskatchewan intercultural association and, and that was to bring together um the community of saskatoon to just have that conversation have um a youth panel have food um have some entertainment um hoop dancers drummers and just to see and experience um you know the indigenous culture so that's one of the events we had some other events we had were film screenings Um, documentaries um, about um, indigenous culture um, in Canada and in the States and we also had like another event which was really cool that I really admired Uh, the youth decided to do um, dance dance reconciliation uh, which uh, brought together um, kind of different groups Um, so we had a, a traditional jingle dress dancer along with a drummer um, we had, uh, the UVS uh, ballroom dance club, and then we had a break dancer come in as well, a breaker. And so not only was it a chance to learn about, um, each other's movement and dance, but also to talk about the origins and the culture of the dance. So really, um, it's whatever the youth decide to plan and, and organize. And we always, uh, emphasize on, on their strengths and, and their gifts when planning these events or workshops.
0: That must have been so cool to see ballroom dancing next to jingle dress dancing next to break dancing. That must have been so cool for you to see. Absolutely,
3: yeah. Um, a lot of the feedback was um, it was more of a interacting, physical movement kind of um, event that we had, and it was just cool to bring um, all those humans together to experience not only each other's like culture, each other's dance. Um, but it's just like a fun, you know, activity to do. So, yeah, a lot of it is just, our main thing is just bringing people together and, and learning from one another.
0: You are listening to episode three of season two of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson. This episode features Bayani Trinidad and Forest Eagle Speaker. You can subscribe for free to YXE Underground on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Stream episodes of YXE Underground on Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or the website yxeunderground.com, and don't forget to leave a review. You can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search YXE Underground, and that's where you will find some great photos of Forrest and Banyani on a very chilly November afternoon. This episode is proudly sponsored by the great team at Ace Burger here in Saskatoon, and I'm very thankful for their financial support. Their generosity is helping to grow the audience of this local independent podcast. So thank you so much, Ace Burger. In the first part of my conversation with Bayani and Forrest, we talked about the importance of education when it comes to truth and reconciliation and the work they are doing through the Canadian Roots organization. In this next part, Bayani and Forrest explained why they're doing this work and I found out that this is not the first time they have worked together in the same place. I, I really love this part of the interview because you hear the amazing chemistry that they share. They're just two really fun guys. We begin with Forrest describing how the work he and Bayani are doing is making a difference here in Saskatoon and how it makes him feel.
1: I personally do see, I do see the difference happening. Um, I think that change starts on a personal level. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, you don't see entire societies and entire communities change all at once. You see it in individuals. Um, and in that aspect, I definitely see it I see it happening. And it makes, it makes me feel good. It really does because, um, you know, any change in the, in the right direction um, should be celebrated and should be looked at as, uh, as, a, as a huge success, you know, turning minor successes into major successes, you know. That's just how I look at it. Because I know personally for me, it, uh, it has really, being a part of this organization and starting to do this work a little more has really just benefited me As as an individual, you know, Um, I have just, you know, I've just grown as an individual being a part of this work, being a part of this organization, doing this stuff. You get to learn so much, get better understandings of people because, I mean, as an Indigenous person, I also have biases, right? I also have traumas and I also have scars and wounds um, from non-Indigenous people, you know, just growing up an Indigenous male. And so I have those wounds, and I have those scars as well, and I share that with a lot of other people. You know, we, sh- we have that in common. And so it makes it easier for me to deal with those things and to actually put things in a different perspective that maybe not everyone who has harmed me in the past with their ideas about me or with their words about me, maybe it wasn't from a place of anger or hatred, maybe it was just from a place of ignorance. And that for me is a lot easier to deal with. I can deal with somebody being ignorant more than I can deal with someone being hateful, you know yeah
3: I think uh just going off with what forrest said it it really starts at at the individual level um i I hear a lot of times like reconciliation starts with with a person or or healing or standing in solidarity. it starts with the individual, and once that person has the ability or the openness to, you know, uh, willing to learn, um, willing to acknowledge like privilege, willing to just like be open-minded and learn. Cause that's the only way we're going to grow and heal, um, as humans, as people, as a community is to, is to learn from one another. Mm -hmm. And, um, if there's that ignorance factor, then that creates like that huge barrier, right? So it's all about, you know, be willing to learn and and
1: knowing that that truth aspect, right? Yeah, that truth aspect is huge. Because even within ourselves, like, I know myself for a long time, I never was able to get talked about privilege. I always looked at myself as extremely underprivileged, not recognizing the fact that that was also ignorance based on my life. You know, because I may be an indigenous male, but I'm also a cisgendered male. That comes with its own privilege. So it's about recognizing that as well you know what i mean and i think once you can recognize those things within yourself to be able to say you know what i have that privilege i have that privilege and so it makes it easy for me to create space for people that don't have that privilege
0: and i feel like so much of this is is based around education and and i i just feel like there's there's this momentum like cuz I, I remember being in in high school and and i never learned a lot about this and and even at university as well and i i have a history degree from the university of calgary and i i this wasn't incorporated a lot in terms of Indigenous history in, in Canada, and yet I feel like, there there is that wave of of like you said you you've got kids from whether they're from Saskatoon or rural Saskatchewan they come here to the U of S and they've they're armed with more of this knowledge. That does that excite you guys? Does that give you I don't know if hope's the right word or too strong a word, but does that encourage you? Oh yeah,
3: absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, just going off of what you said, even when I went to elementary and high school, I wasn't you know as woke I didn't have this knowledge and and teachings and just uh, grasp understanding of what the youth have now like the youth that are um you know growing and, and continuing like have a broad sense of knowledge and for me it just you know it fires me up it inspires me because it it makes me want to be like a better person a better human
1: yep I agree
0: with that
2: Hundred <laughs> percent,
1: nailed it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, that was nice. Um, okay, so I, I wanted to ask you um, on on the personal side, what what made both of you join this organization and, and want to do this type of work? Because you're obviously smart, passionate people, and you could be doing anything here in Saskatoon or anywhere. Um, what made you want to do this?
3: Um, I think for me personally, um, I I was referred to this organization actually, so um, I've been doing youth work already. So it's something I've already always been um, passionate about, and I love working for nonprofit organizations. Um, so for me, what what really led me to this organization is is just the work that they're doing, um, and that's you know bringing youth from all over together to have those relationships, and ever since I started working with this organization already, um, like Forrest was saying, it's really helped me grow as as an individual and learning more about my community, but as well it's helped me really want to learn more about like my own culture as well and my own roots. Um, so I think the fact that like this organization allows you to grow um, as a professional, but both as an individual and I would say as an artist as well, has really drawn me. It's our organization's still kind of like at that infant stage. Like we're still growing, we're still expanding our programs and our staff. So I think the ability to grow and to learn is what
0: really drew me in. You you mentioned you mentioned the artist side too. Can you just expand a little bit because you are an artist? Absolutely.
3: So um, for myself, I've I've been dancing for about seventeen years. Um, it started out with my cultural dance. Um, with the Filipino pavilion at, at Folk Fest and then um, after that I, I discovered <coughs> of, of break dancing, breaking and so I think the nice thing too about this this work and, and what I do as an artist and with what other youth are doing is everyone has their own um, creative outlet like Forrest was saying earlier whether that's athletics music, dance and I think with this organization and the work that I do as an artist there's those crossovers and intersectionalities of like with with reconciliation and the, and the work that we do it's, it's finding that outlet um, with youth and relating on that same level whether people love music whether people love dance that's the whole thing about building that relationship and that rapport is finding similar interests that the youth and other folks have. And then from there, you, you're uh-huh. able to connect and, you know, do this type of work in different in different systems. So,
2: yeah.
0: Forrest, what drew you to this line of work?
1: Um, well, same as Bayani, I was referred here, actually, by Bayani. <laughs> 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 um, I uh, I've kind of been a, a frontlines worker for the past 10 years. I'm working with a lot of different uh, youth organizations, nonprofit organizations, a couple government organizations, um, but my work has always been centered around working with vulnerable population and at-risk youth. Um, I've always been like, a, like either working um, one-on-one with adults with disabilities, making transitions from maybe transitioning from the reserve to um, living in support homes or people transitioning from, you know, group homes into support homes or into adult group homes or whatever, so I've always been involved in that way. Um, I've also done lots of community, um, community work as well, I used to work for an organization called CREW back in the day um, here in Saskatoon and we were like an after school program. Um, and so, uh, and I, and I've worked in group homes as well, and so I've always been very, very passionate about working with youth. I do lots of work within schools. I go and I do teaching, um, I teach songwriting to youth, um, uh, I do talks in schools, you know've I've always been passionate about about youth, um, and it sort of all stems from a place where, um, you know, I want the youth to have more opportunity than I was provided with as, as, as a kid, you know, because I didn't have a lot of opportunity where I grew up um, and, you know, where I you know where I went to school and sort of my home life, I didn't have a lot of opportunity. And it led me down a lot of, a, a rough path for a lot of years, you know, um, and so I've always been very passionate about being able to create opportunities for youth. I've understood from a really young age that opportunity starts with someone willing to just... Provide it, put in the work, and give it to somebody else. You know, um, so I've always I've always thought about it in that sort of way. And so I mean, just um, I'm very big on um, the understanding that everything happens for a reason. And so when um, when I found out about Canadian Roots Exchange from Bayani, I was kind of in a place where you know um i'm I'm a new dad, so i am I have a two year old so i was i was I was at home with her um a lot of the time, but I was trying to get back into work um I had just come off working at a group home and was doing some small contract work here to doing songwriting uh, to youth um in different communities around saskatchewan um but I was looking for something more solid, more foundational, something that um, I was passionate about, and so I just you know i I just, I just applied for the job here. I just applied for it because I really believed in what they were doing, but the thing was about it, I was really intimidated because um, I don't have a lot of education, right? I don't have any, a lot of Western education past high school, but that doesn't really apply to this organization because we're Indigenous-led and we're youth-led. We don't, we don't rate someone's skill or someone's capabilities on whether or not they've gone to some second, post-secondary institution, Right? And so once that happened and I realized that that was a thing and I got hired because I don't, you know, I was really intimidated by it, then it just sort of, it really put it into perspective of what the organization is, what my potential is within the organization. And um, yeah, so I've just been, I've been here really, it's been a big learning curve, a a lot of the stuff here, because like I said, I've been more of a front lines worker for a lot of years, but I recognize that I have, more of a capacity now to create um to create opportunities on a larger scale
0: um correct me if i'm wrong but i th- i feel as though you two have very good chemistry together and the reason why i say that as you both smile at one another is that while while you two have been um giving answers like um forrest if you're if you're giving an answer but Yanni, you're you're nodding in agreement. you're like you're shaking your fist, like yeah that's right like it it it's That's like so is, it, is it is it is it is it fun for you guys to work together on this type of stuff absolutely
3: oh, yeah. um i think just just going back through time we've worked various jobs together um when mm-hmm. when forrest mentioned crew um he uh discovered of of us when we started providing um some dance workshops for the youth um We've done even labor work labor <laughs> together <laughs> yeah. at Saskatoon Machine Works, so we've always had that uh, chemistry together. And and one day I, I just ran into him again, actually, um, up above us at the Place Riel, and you know I said, you know, check out our organization, we're hiring, and so I think we just have a good balance of you know we we do have that good chemistry, but we also share different perspectives and give each other different views and i think the fact that we're both passionate um working with youth and we've done front lines work we have a lot of both similarities and commonalities but also like differences that we can learn from one another yeah, yeah. and our signs are very compatible yes yeah. <laughs> because i'm a capricorn and you're i um, a sagittarius oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we've yeah. been doing the whole horoscope thing too <laughs> lately so
1: yeah i'm really new to the horoscope yeah. thing <laughs> And I don't really fully understand all of it, but what I do know is that every time that I do any of the horoscope tests, always the one on there that is about the signs that'll help you grow, Mm. Bion, always on there. He's always on there. Vice versa. Every single one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I have to say too, you you two are in a very cozy office together, so it's a good thing that you guys are good friends because
1: yeah
0: yeah absolutely
4: (laughs) could go sideways quick but uh
0: (laughs) oh um i i just have one more question for you guys because it's been it's been great chatting with you and i just i i love your energy um when it comes to truth and reconciliation in in Saskatoon, is is there because you guys are doing so much work on the ground? Is is there one thing that you would love to see that would really um, like help you know maybe speed things up or accelerate or, or or bring truth and reconciliation efforts even more into the forefront? Is is there something that maybe top of top of mind comes to you? That's a
3: really good question. Um, there's so many different things that could help like elevate that process. Um, a lot what I hear from the youth is just honestly like more, more youth programs, more resources. Um, so providing more tools, resources for the youth, but I think is it's, it's slowly happening, but it's gonna take time, but it's, it's bringing our community together more and more through events, through workshops, through speakers. Um yeah I think that's the main thing is like once the community has like a mutual understanding and everyone is a, of agreement then that's the growth period. So I think it's it's finding ways to bring people together um that may or may not have crossed paths before. Yeah.
1: Um you know I um I tend to think about these things in' in kind of an i don't want to say intense but in a very direct way, because I feel like this work is it needs to be very direct mm-hmm. um and so um what I honestly think will help speed this along is as a non indigenous as for non indigenous people, I think what may be important is to identify the fact that your um that the way that you have been raised may be wrong. Everything that you have been taught about Indigenous people and about the country that you live in may be wrong. You need to be okay with that. And for Indigenous people, I think it's important to keep using your voice. Use your voice, use your confidence, share your gifts, um, and understanding that on both sides that takes reprogramming. That takes reprogramming on both sides. And, um, and to not be intimidated by that fact and to not feel angered by that fact because everyone needs to heal, right? We all need to heal. And I think it's important to understand that from both sides, have that compassion for both sides, and uh, create the space, create that
0: space. Thank you for sharing your voices with me today. It, it, was, it was awesome speaking with you both. Like I said, your, your energy is like just so infectious, and, and the work you're obviously doing um, in our community here in Saskatoon is really important. So thank you guys so much. Thank you. Awesome.
1: Yeah. yeah, thanks a lot. It was great. Thank yeah. you. Cool.
0: A big thank you to Bayani Trinidad and Forest Eagle Speaker for sharing their time and appearing on the podcast. I really find their energy just so inspiring and I hope you do as well. If you want to learn more about the work they are doing, visit canadianroots.ca or better yet, go see Bayani and Forest at the 220 Working Space. They're on the second floor and they would love to meet you. This has been episode three of season two of YXC Underground. My name is Eric Anderson. I'm the host, editor, and producer of this podcast. If you like what you've just heard, and I really hope that you did, please subscribe for free to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Please leave a review if you have the time. And you can stream episodes on Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or the website, yxcunderground.com. That's where you can find all of the amazing people who have shared their stories on YXC Underground. Follow the podcast on social media. Find YXC Underground on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And that's where you can see photos of all of our guests taken by Janelle Wallace. Thank you, Janelle, for being such an amazing photographer and such a pleasure to work with. Thank you to my cousin Andrew Dixon for creating the original music for this podcast. And a big thank you to Blair Bothmiller and her husband Brad for sponsoring this episode. They own Ace Burger here in Saskatoon and were gracious enough to say yes when I asked if they would be interested in sponsoring a few episodes of YXE Underground. Blair and Brad own four restaurants in the city. Ace Burger, 13 Pies, Congress Beer Hall and Hometown Diner. It's a great partnership because A, I really love eating at all these local independent restaurants and B, Blair and Brad are really involved in the community and understand the importance of giving back, which is what I'm trying to do with this podcast. So it's a really great partnership. We'll be doing some fun giveaways for all the restaurants on social media in the months to come. So be sure to follow YXE Underground and Ace Burger for a chance to win. Next month, a featured interview with Julia Holiday who is the Support Services Coordinator for AIDS Saskatoon. And you're going to hear some tape of me taking an HIV test as part of an awareness campaign. It was quite the learning experience, so I hope you subscribe to the podcast and, uh, and enjoy that episode. So that's next month. Before I go, I would like to acknowledge that all the interviews in this episode were recorded on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. YXE Underground is a production of the Salt Hammer Production Company. My name is Eric Anderson, and I am so excited to sign off with a great local song. This is the first time that we've been able to sign off with a song. Did you know that Forrest Eagle Speaker is an accomplished singer-songwriter? Well, he is, and he goes by the name The North Sound. Now, I saw Forrest and his band play at this year's Regina Folk Festival, and they were, they were so awesome. They played some workshops, and they even got to open for Blue Rodeo uh, before they hit the stage on the Sunday night. And I asked Forrest if I could play one of his songs on the podcast, and he graciously said yes. So, taking us out today... Here is the North Sound with their latest single, Between the Ditches. We'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon.
4: Don't look up now, it's coming down. Rains are falling everywhere. Everyone and everything around these days seem to not really care it all. So I'ma pack up and leave this place between the ditches and now- Never really liked me much, so I headed east across the board